are listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Over here, on my right, we've got the one and only Bobby Osinski. Hey, Mike. Hi, everybody. It's good to see you, Bobby. Next to to him, we've got Mr. Scott Gershon. Hi, Mike. (laughs) Scott! (laughs) Holy smokes! I I haven't seen a lot of daylight lately, so... (laughs) I come here, there's still no light outside, so, you know. Um, And then uh, across the table, we've got the one and only Nick Beck. Hello, Mike, Bobby, Scott, Diego, Brandon, what's going on? Test the test. (laughs) Wow, there's no energy. Now let's do all the middle names. Oh, uh, let's see. There's Avraham and (laughs) Samuel. I have absolutely no idea where that was going. Never mind. Uh, And next to Nick, we've got Brandon Birdside. Brandon. What's up, Mike? How's it going, brother? Good. I've seen you. I haven't seen you in like what twenty minutes or so. so we- <laughs> yep. <laughs> Didn't actually see you. Spoke on the floor on the phone. That's true. <laughs> and finally, over here to my left, we've got the one and only, not the Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast. Diego Succo. Hey, Mike. <laughs> the Iron something else. <laughs> no, not. Cattle. The bronze man. <laughs> I said not. Not the, the contact man himself. Now, don't worry. There you go. Rob is not going to miss today's podcast. He's on the I don't believe stream. him. Well, he missed the he's first just, minute. So he is actually missed. No, no. He's, uh, he's, he's going to Skype in. And, uh, and he's in a meeting right now and uh, doing big, wonderful things. What they are, I don't know. But I know they're big and wonderful because he's been doing a ton of traveling. So anyhow, we will... Uh, We'll catch up with him when he calls in. A um, couple things really quick right off the bat before we get into the podcast. And the podcast, it's going to be a potpourri of a lot of really cool things. So I've been looking forward to, to some of the stuff we're going to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about, though, is I went and saw Book of Life, Scott. That was, that was an unbelievably great movie. Oh, that was you. really, really good. Gracias. I mean, it was definitely on a on a... You know, a Pixar level of, of story and animation. And the look was phenomenal. The sound was great. And the music is amazing. Yeah. The music, Who's the composer? Uh, Gustavo. Oh. Yeah. It was, it was really good. I, and I went into it just thinking, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll be honest. I went to see it because, well, Scott did it and I want to support my friend. Yada, yada, yada. And, uh, but it was really good. And, and I just I can't recommend it enough to people to go see that. It's a great, great story. Great music. I mean, I was just blown away by the music. Thank you. Know? you. It was really good. So, and the sound was great. The mix was good. And I had to I had to say that, especially since my little girl. She's like, I want to see it again. So, <laughs> it you know, it, 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 what I did like about that film, uh, not just because I worked on it, but I like that uh, kids can see it, adults can see it. Right. And what's interesting is I think different age groups are actually going to see a different movie. Because there's some depth to it that's pretty interesting that that opens up some philosophical discussions for adults that kids will never even see it. The the concept of death, what happens, the land of the remembered, the land of the forgotten. And and just some really interesting things to make you go, okay. And kids won't even pay attention to it. But but on... 
And if you don't want to think about it that deep, it's also a really good like romantic comedy. It's, it is. It's, it's just it's paced well. It's, it's actually paced the well. animation is something a little different out there. And right? No, it's unique. The and, look is that's what I loved about it. I had such a great look, and I was like, "This is amazing." And I'll tell you what, when you you know when you watch a movie like that, start paying attention to the sound because you got to realize that in animation. Um, you know, nothing is real. There's no, like, you can't yes. go out there, oh, we're going to go pick up the real ambient. I mean, you create <laughs> all of it. And it all has to, to play from the heart. It all has to connect. And, uh, and I love really good animation with really good sound because it all just kind of works. It's so seamless. You don't, when, you're, when you're watching a really good animated film that has all the elements, it's like this universe. Of course it exists, you know. Of course Toy Story exists because I see it, you know, and it's the same way when when you go see the Book of Life that that universe exists because it all works and it's it's all perfect harmony. But anyhow, I had to give you a, an attaboy on that because oh, thank you. it was really really phenomenal for the, the adult side of you. <coughs> I just throw this one up. Have you seen Nightcrawler? No, mm-hmm. go see it. That one will never allow you to watch news in the same way again. Hmm. It's uh, that's the adult one, right? That's yeah, a, I gotta, ta- I gotta, I gotta that's a taxi that. driver for. For news services. Mm. Oh, I want to go see that. That'll be interesting. Anyhow. Okay, there's my, my shameless promotional plug. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, had to give an, have a, give an attaboy about that. Um, also, uh, before we get rolling, a couple things that I, I wanted to talk about. Um, first thing is um, the podcasts are, are a little sparse because everybody's really busy. And I say this because I've got a couple emails from people about posting and things like that. And I just want to say, look, we, we record them. It takes a little bit of time to kind of prep them and get them ready. You know, Colin's busy. I know he's busy because I'm keeping him busy. <laughs> but um, So we're ready to post episode 78 now? <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but we will, you know, we're trying to make an effort. It's, it's funny, you know, in, in life... There's nothing's free, you know. It's like you pay a price for everything, and and the fact, like on the podcast, you know, the price that that we pay is the time. It's a time you have to invest your time, and and the listeners have to invest time in waiting for the next show, and we invest time in doing these shows. So it's just just remember that, man. You're you're paying for everything. If it's not through cash or if it's not through you know services, you're you're paying one way or the other. In this case, it's time. And my time's not worth a lot. (laughs) 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 All right, well, let's dig dig on in. Uh, Speaking of pain, um, one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Taylor Swift leaves Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) Spotify what? (laughs) And, uh, you know, her her latest album, um, 1989. Which, by the way, is a really good album. I mean, it's if you want to hear a good pop album, it's it's a good pop album. I mean, those are the kind of records that you can go to school on. Just listen to the way their production is, and listen to the way it's mixed and stuff like that. It's just top notch, you know, whether you like the songs or not. But she pulls her catalog off Spotify. Um, Bobby L. <laughs> There's several layers to this onion. The first thing is. It was done, it's strictly a money play, first of all. Uh, she railed against streaming, saying streaming services are bad, you have to protect the artist. Yeah, well, why did you take it off of Spotify and not everybody else? That's kind of curious, isn't it? Well, the story keeps on changing from their management. And first it was, the reason why we did it was because they wouldn't give us an exclusive. In other words... 
they said they posted the album right away when they told them, wait for 30 days. Okay, why did you give them the album in the first place, if that's the case? So I don't quite get that. But what I really think what happened was the fact that they saw Taylor, this may be her only chance, her last chance, to sell a lot of physical product. So what they did is they gave it every chance they could to sell as much as possible by pulling it off of Spotify so people have to buy it. Because the next time she comes out in the cycle with another album, 12 months, 18 months down the road, right. people may not be buying albums whatsoever at all. <clears throat> they certainly won't be downloading them, and they won't be buying physical product. So, now, here's the underlying piece of that. The reason why they want to maximize the revenue is because they're trying to sell the record label, and Taylor Swift owns part of the record label. And they're trying to sell it. So what they're trying to do is maximize the bottom line on this. So there's all this intrigue going on beneath the surface of this. And Spotify is catching the brunt of it. And Spotify is just a pawn in the whole thing. Yeah, but, you know, I, I totally understand that. But what the heck is wrong with not wanting to give away your, your music? Not wanting to... You gave away from the beginning of time. Right. You give it away on radio. <clears throat> Yeah, but radio and streaming, especially Spotify, are, are two different things. No, they're not. You get, you get more money. Residual, you get more money from streaming than you do from radio. That is true, but also the problem with radio is two things. Number one, it's actually not a problem. Is you listen to radio on radio's time, you listen to streaming on your time, and streaming absolutely replaces album sales. Well, there, there's two types of streaming. Do you know how much money she made by not releasing it streaming? She sold, you know, in the first week. But don't say she didn't release it in streaming. She didn't release it right. on Spotify. Spotify, right. And, and but, not only that, she pulled the whole catalog off of Spotify. Right. It wasn't just the, the, the album. It was the whole catalog. But not on the other services. So you can't say she's against streaming if you don't pull it off all the services. I think the difference is, especially with Spotify, number one is they're probably the biggest, and number two... They're not. They're not the biggest? Who's, the, who's bigger? Well, if you look at Pandora from a non-interactive but, standpoint... Right, but Pandora is more like internet radio, and, yes. and Spotify is more like... It's interactive, yes. It's interactive, and you can yes. create your own playlist. It's, it's, right. it's album replacement. I mean, yeah. that's basically what it is. It's like... You know, well, no, uh, people aren't into albums anymore. They're into singles. Right, but would Spotify be basically a free version of iTunes that you can pick and choose well, your well, songs? Well, wait a second. There's two levels to it. The one, there's and I'm a, talking premium. There's a freemium level of which they have, oh, about 70 million users. and uh, No, they have less than that. Um, and they have, and there's uh, um, uh, 38 million users. And they have a paid level of which there's less than ten million. Right, which is the, yeah. the I'm on the paid paid level, but still, the fact is, on the paid level, I can pick any song, any album, I can download it, I can listen to it offline, yeah. and it replaces album sales. Literally, I won't have to buy this. You won't buy any. Sure, why would you? But that. I think is the problem because you got people like Aloe Black who goes online and says, "Hey, look, you know, we had one of the most played songs on Spotify, and as a songwriter, I only made twelve thousand dollars." Yes, on but wait a second. Here's here's what people don't understand, and I'm surprised that his attorney didn't set him straight on this. 
it has nothing to do with Spotify. Spotify pays out the money, but there's a middleman that gets it. It's the record label. Right. The record label even collects publishing, which they don't do on physical sales in this case. And who knows where it goes from there? Because record labels have always been good at concealing the money that comes in. And let's face it. Most artists don't make a dime off of, off of their sales. They never did. But see, in today's internet, when the artist can be direct to the public, why do you want to stream it? Why not just sell it directly to the public? Why you, who says they're going to buy it? But, you know, Mike, if, if you pay it? attention, this whole uh, thing generated a lot of press. It was like a gigantic spotlight turned on, you know, on her and and Spotify, you know, they had, I mean, I'm not on Spotify and I don't really use it, but I can see that. uh, But you know about it. Yeah, right, of you course. You, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been reading a lot of articles. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everybody in my Facebook uh, uh, feed was talking about this thing. Let's come back to prices. Prices are regulated in terms of there, there's two streams. There's you pay, you get paid two different amounts. You get paid for the premium level, and you get paid for the freemium level. Right? We know what that price is. We know what it is. So it comes in. It gets paid out, it goes to the record label, and it's up to the deal that you have with the label on how much you're going to get paid. What does Spotify pay for a spin, do you know? Are you- oh, I, you know, I don't remember what it is exactly. It's somewhere... Well, they said 0.006 yeah, and yeah, 0.7. It's been a the- while since I looked at it. It's about twice as much for the uh, paid as it is for the freemium. So- can, we, can somebody get on Spotify without being tied to a record label? Sure. Yeah, they, there was actually a band. That <laughs> they posted silent tracks uh, for some reason. They kind of scammed the system, yeah. and they made twenty grand. <laughs> Until Spotify caught them. And, yeah, and they, they posted them out, yeah. an album that was just nothing. They told all their fans <laughs> to play it yeah, at night when, when they were sleeping. Sleep, yes, when they're sleeping. Yeah, it was. Yes. And they made that's, twenty grand. That's yeah. brilliant. Just like wow. that. But see, here's. I mean, here's the thing, though. Look, you got to You got to I understand about streaming and paying the royalties and things like that. But if you're a new artist, if you're a band and you develop any type of, of uh, fan base, why not just sell your music? You keep it, you know, a bucket track. Okay, okay I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. Because oh, even sell if you your music, sell, but who's going to buy it? You People see, are the, not if you, buying downloads. It's it's the, the, if you've got, if you've got, I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people look at if people like your music, they will buy it. If that's they're their not only buying option. it, they're not buying it. But the, because the moment there is an option that allows you to access that music for less or nothing, right? People, right. not we're not talking about us. We're talking yeah. about people that don't work in the music industry or sound iTunes, design. So iTunes revenue has dropped down. Oh, just to, if you look between last year and this year, it's down like almost forty percent. Wow. It's that, this year, it's down twenty eight percent from but, the beginning of the year. See, that's, that's, and downloads. But see, that's the thing. It's like, why is that? It's like everybody saying, "Oh, we're just going to start streaming now." Why? Why do we have to stream? It's why more convenient. Why can't we say, "Well, it, like it's not convenient to buy from iTunes or to buy from it's Google Music." It's hard to compete with free, Mike. Yeah, it's man. Hard I, to <laughs> look, I look, look at the value proposition. Wait, 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 wait. Actually, but, I have a question. But, for you. but well, hold, hold on, really quick, sure. and then I'll let you yeah. talk. I understand about free. I understand all about that. But look, let's say I'm Taylor. Swift, or let's say I'm not Taylor Swift. Let's say I'm somebody else. You look kind of like Taylor. I mean, you can be Taylor Swift if you like. But, with- but besides <laughs> all the all the other reasons, if I'm going to release an album, 
<clears throat> and the first week, I'm going to sell a million copies like she did. She sold like 1.3 million. She's millions. the only one, though. Right, right. But what I'm just saying is that's, even, if you, even if you sell you know, a fifth of that, you don't really, You can't use her as, as an example. Okay, but you, let's just go – let's say you go out there and you sell 1,000 records. 1,000, yeah. all right? Yeah. You're going to make more selling that 1,000 records in years of streaming. People do it all. Uh, no, that's not true at all. Oh, that's at, not true at, at all. Point zero 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 six. No, wait a second. Wait a second. When people hear like, oh, I get a million views. I get a million streams, right? In our minds, we think, wow, that's a lot. In the internet today, online, a million ain't shit. And what I'm, I'm quoting a friend of mine who... who Basically says it like this. A million ain't shit. It used to be something. A no, million. Wait. No, wait. Five years ago. You maybe. have to get to 10 million to even get someone's attention. Yeah. And you don't have a hit until you hit 50 million. Yeah. And most big hits are way beyond 100 million. So, you know, when you say, well, I had 3 million hits and I only made $300. Well, it's irrelevant. It's not that much. People won't. You're not even an entity unless you're doing a million a month. Question. Is Spotify heavy in the mobile? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. basically. I mean, so, mobile, so everybody yeah. uses their phones right. to listen to Spotify. Mostly, right. yeah, fifty nine percent, I think. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. No, I, I'm Mike. You know, the thing is, when we are talking about this from a musician's point of view, you think, okay, music can be free, but affording the life to be a musician that is not free. However, yeah. no musicians they don't even care. They don't even. It's not that they despise this. They don't see it. Hey, it's I'm, not like the kids hate and they they specifically say, "Oh no, I'm a, I'm opposed to that industry. I'm opposed to that." They simply don't know it exists. I mean, I, I'm a musician. I you know I want everybody to get paid, and I want to get paid. Believe me. So <laughs> I I understand exactly what that proposition is. I just think that you have to put you have to know what's going on in the business and where the money's going. There's so much money being generated from streaming right now. It's just not trickling down. Now, I'll give you an example. I just read this figure yesterday. Sound, uh, uh, Sound Exchange. Sound Exchange collects all the money for an artist on streaming, ser- on uh, interactive streaming services, right? Uh, they collected more than what it, the, not that they collected, they paid out in royalties more than downloads made just this year already. So musicians made more money off of streaming, that one part of streaming. So it just means that as you negotiate a deal now, the streaming portion of the revenue has to be heavily negotiated. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's really what we're saying is yeah. that I, that you have to be able to know... In today, where the money's coming from these yeah. days. Here's what's going to happen. I, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I, I think I think you're going to see more and more people not streaming there. There's, uh, there's no, no financial No, why, why should they? Why should they? You want the audience, you want to go where your audience is. Most of your audience is going to say, hey, streaming is so much more convenient. For $10 a month, I can stream whatever I want. Or for free on YouTube. Well, not only that, yeah, but, I can but you're not becoming banned. You just want them to see your shows. Well, that's you, but, you, right. but you know what? Here's the thing: you, I would rather have, um, I'd rather have ten fans that are really into the music and are hardcore fans than a couple casual. Yeah, fans. But this more? is the mentality that used to work back in 2007, 2008 yeah, when Bandcamp came out. You know what's the problem? The thing is, this there's a transformation going on, and we are all resisting it. 
whatever. It's happening whether we like it or not. So you just got to go with the flow. It doesn't but, mean, but which doesn't mean it's like just accepting everything, saying, oh, yes. The, um, it means just keeping an eye open. And I'm not saying to not stream anything and to not release. I mean, why not release a couple tracks on Spotify and yeah, then well, the I mean, whatever, and sell the rest? You, you, you know? can do that, sure. You can do, I'm, I'm, you can just saying, I'm just saying, approach, you know, yeah. people sit here and they're like, oh, well, it's streaming. We, I, you know, it's streaming, it's streaming. But, but, look but at we like make this. the rules. The musicians make the rules. Well, the and, and no, no, the here's the thing. Yeah, this is the one. Yeah, musicians can make the rules, but are, are the people that uh, are going to buy the records play by those rules? This is the thing. We see the world... From a very different perspective, I among musicians, I, I, we live in a different dimension. No, I understand that. But I, the, what I'm saying is the record labels, the music industry sets the rules. And as the music industry, why do we have the consumer sets rules? the rules? Well, you know, yeah, and, and, and consumer I, sets Well, no, the it. consumer will always And even if they don't set them, they just go with the ones that they like the most. I think it's somewhere in the middle and from one perspective. In, in, when we grew up, the only way for you to get end cap space... You know, the, the yeah. prime space that everyone's going to see is through a record company. Yep. They held the keys to the distribution medium that an artist needed to get to an audience. Now, what's interesting with this age is that the distribution medium is open. Anyone can open the portal and people can sell direct, which is what Mike's saying. Where I see the, the, the caveat and maybe the rub is how do people get to know who I am? That's exactly so the, the whole point is now it's not even the record company as much it is as it is if there's some MBA person that wants to come out screw the record business what you want to create now is an agency a PR firm that allows and has uh, um, very good talent to be able to take you out of the noise there's a lot of them actually there's a lot of digital PR companies that do that now they've, mm. they've sprung up all over the last it's even on YouTube you know the, 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 My, the, I have a book about it yeah, yeah. So I, know, I know yeah, but yeah. you know something else that it's interesting SoundCloud now that they're doing uh, yeah. they're, they, they're going with the what a paid uh, right. format yeah. thing I, I didn't read much about it but you know it's happening on they're SoundCloud trying, too they're trying yes they're trying but, um, but the, the, the big one that just happened is Music key. It's YouTube's music key that was just yeah. That right. I mean, YouTube that, is that, the biggest. That's a big deal. Yeah. And speaking of financials, look who's joining us all the way from Dallas, Texas. See, I knew you weren't going to miss the podcast, Rob. Mr. Rob Arbiter, the Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast. Rob. Hello, everyone. Hey, Rob. Yes, Hello. I, Rob. I got to keep the streak alive, so I am here from. I almost said Austin because it's always Austin, but tonight it's Dallas, Texas. <laughs> see, see, actually, you're in, the, you're in the other room with an uh, altiverb speakerphone IR going. <laughs> and you know what? I just have to give some props to to Rob because um, he bought the hotel Wi-Fi just for this podcast. That's for you, Mike. He spent eleven dollars. <laughs> What a man! Audio now cast is now eleven dollars in the hole. Mike. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, wait, exactly. I, didn't, I didn't tell him to. Revenues of eleven dollars. They just spend the twenty-five cents for the magic fingers. <laughs> wait, just look at it this way. That's only like sixty-five thousand plays on one of his, you know, songs to to hit the eleven thousand. I mean, eleven dollars. <laughs> 
Hey, um, no, I've, I've established that our friendship is worth exactly $10.98. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, Rob, so we're talking about um, Spotify, and uh, yes. we, were, we were talking about Taylor Swift um, leaving Spotify, and, and then Bobby filled us in on, on some of the other reasons. But it got down to, you know, I was saying that, you know, why can't we keep some value in the music and charge for your music and stuff like that? But, you know, you're working with the misses and, you know, you're starting off and you've gotten, you know, a couple million hits on your YouTube video. And uh, how is this all playing out for you with like sales of the single and things like that? It, it's funny you should mention the misses. I've spent the last few days on a bus tour of West Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Places like Odessa and Midland. And <laughs> oh, man. Flat places. <laughs> yeah. Amarillo and Abilene. I don't even remember where I woke up this morning. Oh, Lubbock. Today was Lubbock. Um, and, of course, this is the missus. So when I say a bus tour, I mean a bus between hotels, just to be straight. <laughs> uh, so, so then you can have a new logo that says, wake up with the missus? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, <yeah>. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... It's been very interesting, and we're sort of doing that uh, grassrootsy go town to town and set up a show. And I mean, in our case, we're not just setting up performances; we're we're actually doing a lot of TV and radio interviews and uh, all the stuff that any new band would have to do. Um, and uh, we've also been setting up the mirror. You know, the mirror is sort of a core part of the marketing campaign for the first song. So we've been setting up the mirror in these different cities, and the bands have been playing. And it's, it's or the band has been playing. It's been really cool. Um, but so we're definitely doing the whole grassroots thing, even though the band is getting massive YouTube play and and a lot of national attention. You know, they were on uh, Good Morning America a little while ago, and, and uh, they were interviewed on Queen Latifah. I guess now it's a couple weeks ago. So we're getting ma- national attention, but it turns out that the local events we put on give us a lot of content to use in that national context. So that's why we're doing the local thing, even though we're also going after national things simultaneously. Um, the video now is up to over 5 million views. Um, and it's over 4 million views for the main video. And it's been translated by other people that we have nothing to do with. It's been translated into a bunch of other languages. We now know it's been in, uh, it's in Spanish. It's in Japanese, Chinese, Korean. Um, <coughs> I think there's a French one now. And those uh, translations, which were just done by people who love the message, that, that's added up to over a million views. Um, that being said, without going into specifics, actual sales of the song on iTunes, uh, you know, you're not going to be buying Wi-Fi every place. You <laughs> hey, Rob, I watched the video uh, twice at uh, least, so uh, I just want to let you know that I'm helping out. <laughs> yeah, we just give you point zero 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 five. Hey, I'm doing my share. But are you, okay, are, is, there, is there revenue coming off the, the YouTube? Is there, I mean, what, what's the revenue model if it's, if it's, you know, not sales and we know that Spotify doesn't well, play, in a, in a pay a heck of a in a situation like the misses, it's a pretty unique project. But the the thing we've always been aiming for, uh, obviously, we want to sell music and we want to get lots of views of the video. But as a band and as a company, because we really are running it like a company, it it really comes down to uh, sponsorships and partnerships. You know, it's, what we're doing happens to be a very strong message for women, and there are a lot of brands that we could partner with for the music and merchandise, and even potentially a misses product line. Uh, it's that kind of relationship that's really going to return, give the return on the investment. Um, and it's, 
What were you going to say? No, I said that makes a, that makes a lot of sense for for the misses. You know, well, and the song the is brain. getting really good. The song is getting a really good response, and it is actually starting to get radio play in some markets, which I always thought was kind of a long shot. But people do like the song legitimately, just as a standalone song. And the message and the mirror just makes us a very powerful uh, potential brand partner. So we are specifically going after those kinds of relationships because you know. A great placement in one commercial, as we all know, is the equivalent of selling many, 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 many more CDs than you could ever expect to on the kind of tours you know that we're doing now. It's not what these tours are about. So uh, for us, it's about people wanting to partner with the message and building business around that. So, Bobby, is this kind of like the new the new business model? Is this the no? Way? It's the same business model as there's always been. You have to understand that from the beginning of time, going back to Sinatra, recorded time, right? An artist made ninety five percent plus of his money from everything but recorded music. The artists never made a lot of money from recorded music. The music is so the always big your marketing. Deal wasn't that? Big I, you know what though I I don't know I worked for a ton of bands back in the nineties right and the touring bands and so I was there while they're reaching their you know their gold and the platinum sales and things like that and they were getting money <laughs> they, they, were, were, they were getting it from where they were getting money royalties, from their sales royalties maybe well what about well, BMI and ASCAP for the yeah, from publishing yeah. or from, from publishing you can make it yeah. absolutely but not from sales you don't make that much from sales you never did the record labels find wonderful ways not to pay you Bobby does a a radio play generates royalties with ASCAP and BMI it does yes but you know there's a secret to that too if you get played a lot during their big ratings period for instance when when they're they're figuring out Mm -hmm. how much to pay everybody in that particular week then you're going to pay you're going to get paid a lot more than if you generate so it it has to but does ratings week still exist I mean, do you need it? And, and, and it used to be that there was no way to really track it. Couldn't, you couldn't have people listening to every station right in it. But now, because it's all digital and you, it's all files, it's all one, yeah. They, know, no, they, they, they still basically do the same thing they always did. It's more efficient, but they basically still figure it out the same. So they way. take a couple weeks a year and say that's kind of a snapshot of what's going on. Yeah, but they do samples. They what, Rob? They they do samples and they yeah, they can samples. extrapolate from that. Well, it's. Uh, I, will, I no. will say you had asked me one specific question, which I didn't answer, but uh, about YouTube revenue, I actually don't have my head around uh, what that's generated so far. I've just been pulled in a million directions, and we actually have another person who's uh, dealing with that side, and I, I actually don't know what the YouTube uh, plays have generated yet. I can tell you what it what it probably generated off of five million. It probably sure. generated a maximum of about forty thousand dollars, and probably. A whole lot less than that, because usually what happens the the, the maximum is about eight thousand dollars per million. But again, it gets divided out a lot of different ways. So you know you're already talking a, a split with YouTube on a lot of that, uh, uh, you know fifty five forty five split, and then you for every particular um, you, you don't get paid on every play and every view, unfortunately, because there's a lot of ways around it. So if you, you know, skip the ads, yeah, like you, you can figure somewhere. Well, again, it, it's who your ad partners are, how much uh-huh. they're paying. So that has a lot to do with it. So it could be a couple grand, maybe grand, two grand per million. Oh, by the way, Mike. Yes. Something that we should mention because it will benefit people that want to make money off of their music. 
Patreon. Patreon yeah. is a system created by Jack Conte. Mm-hmm. And basically, it allows you to monetize, which is a stupid word, but anyway, <laughs> it allows you to make money off of your stuff mm-hmm. by asking people to support you with a little contribution. So it's like I'm going to post a new video on YouTube, but I'm not going to put ads on my video. I keep that clean so you can just see the music or whatever else I do. However, you can give me a dollar or two every time I post a new piece of content or every month. And that is creating some sort of uh, support. Do you take cash? Because I'm going to give you a buck right now. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're worth it. No, but I'm saying you should mention Patreon because... So it's a digital version of putting a cup in the street Play it is, yes. 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 Sure. yes, but Absolutely. they allow you to do it in, in an efficient way. Wow. And, and I think that... Soon to be with the audio nowcast. Oh, <laughs> it's not only for music, it's also for Almost podcasts. For the music. It's for oh, yeah. everything. Yeah. It's for everything, for animators. All right, people. you know what? We're g- I'm gonna <laughs> but because Jack had exactly the same issues, you know, he yeah. went through the whole process and he realized, this is not working out, I need to find a better way. And he had the, the balls to build it for everybody else. So yeah. Big thanks to the guy. You know, you, you know what? I I I'm depressed, but I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I understand, Bobby. I, I get what you're saying. I I find it, man. I just want the. I think when the artists make makes money, everybody makes money because. But, but, but wait, I don't want this to sound negative because it isn't. Because what's happening? There are more. If you just think of Spotify or YouTube. Only those streams. Right. Okay. There may not be a lot of money coming back right now, but guess what? It's exploding. Streaming is, is exploding all over the world. There's more and more and more streaming services. And so you're getting paid from a lot of different places, and it may not be as much as you got from that one place right. once before. You're getting a lot of different things, and it's exploding. We're seeing right now there's 28 million subscribers, paid subscribers worldwide. They expect that to go to 100 million within the next couple of years. And 150 million after that, it's going to be at where the music business now is now. It could actually be back to where it was in terms of uh, revenue generated within five years. That, I, I can see it. But, the, I, but your I, I question can, is how to have the musicians get the money that's the and thing. not the, and, the, the, and the th- companies behind them. I think that's the that's – the, <laughs> and you know what? I have to say it. It's really the record label is going to become less and less important. And, and You'd think that, but don't forget who owns a lot of these? Who owns pieces of it? Well, guess what? Spotify is owned by the major labels, pieces right. of it. But, and and but anybody that wants to get in the United States, the way they get their licensing is they also they, they give the record labels money and they also give them part of the company. It's interesting. It's going to be, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, we're still trying to figure this all out. You, you get, you know. But I, I think it's like anything else that when you look at forms of entertainment, whether they're actors and directors or musicians, anybody who's guaranteed to generate revenue in some way has a voice at the table. Mm-hmm. Because if they go, okay, if not with you, then I'll do it with somebody else. Because the moment you start getting, okay, who wants Taylor, Who wants to represent Taylor Swift? There will be people that come to the table that say, I'd like to do it because she makes a lot of money. Now, all of a sudden, she goes, well, now let's negotiate. Let's negotiate because you're going to make less money percentage-wise, but you're going to make more money 
in the big picture. On the gross, yeah. Yes. Sure. So at that point, those people would then start getting uh, um, uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> you rolling dice there? Or <laughs> that, was that was the greatest folly moment of yeah, the night. Yeah, yeah. Like, who's making that sound? The rapper were like, what? Yeah. 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 Um, for a moment, Nothing I thought it was a dog on the floor. Uh, <laughs> laptop <laughs> microphone. It must be a heck of a compressor. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was, it was smart. It was Christ the best sounding stuff coming. <laughs> <laughs> We're all looking around going, not me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Sorry about that. I didn't realize. Yeah, go ahead. Wrap up. Oh, it, it goes to those who generate right. some form of interest in some form of money. And those people will then lay the pathway for everybody else to follow. Do you know why well, a record label... Uh, sign somebody. Do you know why? Why? Has nothing to do with their music. Record labels routinely sign artists that they don't like the music. It's the audience. Right. They're signing you because you either have a line around the block, because you have an audience online, or a potential audience. Yeah. That's why they sign you. Yeah. No, I understand that. Well, you I know, mean, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up because I just say something even simpler in my, in my world. Mm-hmm. Dumb and Dumber. Mm. Just came out, and I thought, "Why? You got to- two old creepy guys <laughs> acting really stupid. Who's going to see it? Everybody." And then every and then Hollywood wow. and Variety, Hollywood Reporter went all the way to the bank. Yeah. So at some point, they're going, "What are we in the business to do? Business way here to make money." And Dumb and Dumber was the solution. <laughs> Well, like you know, we'll Bread we'll table this for right now. Gone. I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to be talking about this, you know, coming up through the next year as as things work themselves out. And it's, I just feel bad for you know the new guy trying to release some music and he's not big yet and. Oh, don't feel bad, and, and we'll talk about but that. But there you go. Time. That's why Patreon exists, because it allows you to get started You're with right. something. And maybe his music sucks. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not. To somebody, <laughs> it does. But it's great well, to other it, people. It, yeah. No, I, I understand. Well, like I said, I just I just think, you know, what you've, the one thing I've learned, Bobby, if nothing else, is, look, it's kind of like energy, you know. Energy do- isn't created or destroyed; it just merely transforms into different, different um, forms. The money is there; it's just not like it was there before. <laughs> so, it's it's being spread around. So the formula you know? on YouTube is to get babies, animals, mm-hmm. and people who know CG. Put it together. <laughs> yes. Write a song yeah. that includes all of that. And you'll be are, oh, the cutest yeah. thing. Oh my God, it's baby. Did yeah. you see the, the the Chinese one, the chick chick? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I saw it and I I couldn't yeah, get past a minute. Yeah. Uh, I was just uh, really messing with my identity as a person. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I if I watch the whole thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something bad to myself. Uh, right. Well, on that note, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna be talking uh, not about streaming or Spotify or Taylor Swift. Well, maybe Taylor Swift, but no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll catch you on the other side. <laughs> You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API from Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the LA area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, 
Hey, welcome back to Yachty Nowcast. And before the break, we were talking about Taylor Swift, Spotify, and I just got depressed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not depressed. Bobby, actually, you know, that's why, Bobby, I, I, I love your brother because I learn a ton from you and you tend to shoot straight. Maybe a little op- optimistic, but <laughs> you know what? No, you know, you shoot straight. I'm going to show something else that's out there that's promoting music in a really cool way that I've been finding very inspiring is the Sonic Highways on HBO with David Grohl's doing. Oh, yeah, that's a good oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And he's kind of saying, you know what? Forget about Taylor Swift. Forget about pop. Let's go to each one of these cities and discuss all the music that's happening Show in those scene, cities. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of, you know, when you when you hear his spiel about yeah. you know, American Idol and The Voice, he's like, you know what? Go in your garage, get some friends, play, make, start picking up women, but then start learning your instrument and see where it goes. <laughs> I, did, I didn't read that part about the women. <laughs> I, 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 I was like, maybe we read a different <laughs> version of the, the rock star. No. You know? But the whole point is just to go out and do it. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. great. Because all the hey, great people, that's what they did. Let me let me ask you guys a, a question, and, and it's kind of um, you know. We'll talk about this just for a little bit, and then I want to move on. But it's it's piggybacking on what we were talking about with Spotify, and that's. Um, I thought we were, ta- we were talking about Spotify <laughs> anymore. No, 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 we're not. Oh, okay. we're, we're changing, but it's it's <laughs> as long as you know, that Taylor Swift has removed her songs from Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are funny. No, but you know when you when you start. Thinking about social media and and what you're supposed to do with social media, um, what I wanted to ask Bobby about because this all seems to be you generating from your social media, the price that you pay for for social media is I think pretty severe with with privacy and with being able to keep some stuff to yourself because it seems like people are opening up more and more on Twitter because quite frankly they're running out of things to say and they have to be out there all the time to post and some of these people I think you know to me Twitter seems like something that that there's you know there's not all there's a lot of downsides there's limited upside how do how does an artist keep that in perspective you know? well there's a difference between being on Twitter Facebook name the right. the the social media Stuff, platform yeah. there's a difference between being on it and using it and using it for promotion so for instance if you're using it for promotion you'd be announcing what just happened who you just played with who you're about to play with or you're on tour there's something new whatever but you don't do it any more than four times a day right and on Facebook, you don't do it any more than two times a day because all of the numbers say that you do it more than that, your engagement goes down like a rock. So, again, you have to know when to do it and what time because there are certain times when most of your audience is going to be there, so you want to reach them, so you have to know when to do that. Right. And you have to know exactly what to say. And when you say it, you have to have a link there and you have to add a picture. <coughs> and just simple things like that allow you to reach more people and do it in a way where you're not exposing yourself. Right. You're not exposing your privacy. Uh, what you're doing, you're telling people of what you're doing. Uh, you're, you're, you're informing them of your experiences. That, that's the difference. You have to know how no, to do that. You know what? And I'm glad you, you said that because, and the reason why I brought that up is I was, I'm following kind of a new act and there's a little bit of promotion, but then you start 
reading on Twitter some of their personal feelings about whatever. And I'm like, that's just ridiculous. And it's almost like they're running out of things to do on Twitter, but they know they have to be on Twitter. But, you know, and they start talking about stuff. It's like, you know what? I don't care that you got coffee. I don't care how you feel about the exactly, election. No. I don't care about any of this stuff. But you see, the, the, the thing that I noticed that I, I – because I use Twitter, I use Facebook, I use everything. Right. It's uh, you could use that platform to complain about pretty much everything that crosses your mind. But why would you do it? Right. Because you know, <laughs> there's always a way to say things constructively, and you can promote what you do, or you can promote, or, or you can say, "Hey, this is cool. This is something I, I want to say to you guys." But that's exactly what you're saying. When you go into, I'm bored, and I and I'm showing that. Or I'm saying something that is just, uh, I want to get this off my chest, uh, but it doesn't really produce any constructive result. Yeah. Yeah, some people might engage with you, but the majority of people go, I don't need this in my life. Yeah. yeah. There's you a know? level of professionalism that you have to, right. you know, you, you But keep it's that also level. respect the way I see it. Yeah, it's like, why would, you, why would you bring people that follow you into something that is negative in its essence? You wouldn't talk about that on stage. Right. That stuff. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, you basically keep that in mind. What would you say on stage? Well, if I wouldn't say that on stage, then I shouldn't say it in, on Facebook or social media. Yeah. yeah. The, the confusion is, is because you're tooting from yeah. your home, but you're yeah. doing publicly, though. I think the problem is that there's a huge huge difference between your public persona and your private persona, right. right? So if you're using Facebook to post pictures of your kids and like keep in touch with your high school friends, that's kind of your private persona, right? Mm-hmm. Or that's your personal persona, I guess. Right. But the, you know, the the version of you, the version of Diego or Nick or Bobby or whoever that's out on Twitter that's talking about what it is that we do in the audio arts is the, our public persona and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to mix talking about you know some a new video that you just did for some sound design stuff that you're working with right. and the kind of eggs that you had for breakfast because yeah. nobody cares about the kind of eggs yeah. that you had yeah it's the kind of information that is not really adding anything to it's a waste of it's a waste of space unless I am recording those eggs and making something <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, incredible sure. you yeah, know that's true well I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because yeah, so I, you mean I'm, recording eggs no no <laughs> about, about how to use your social media you know because I, I feel like I see a lot of young dads get out there be yourself try not to well, scam people or, or make it look or, like I would say don't be yourself be your act <laughs> well, again, no, no 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 not really no. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I wouldn't say come up with a, an alternative version of yourself you have well, to try to be yourself in the best way you can it's basically deciding how you want to perce- yourself perceive it's just being decent and have respect of people online basically it's like when you talk to your family speak one way when you talk to your co-workers speak another way when you speak to somebody stranger on the street you speak another way so you just need to understand who you're talking to at any given time within social media paradigm there you go. Again, I, I just realized that everything you record is on the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but I wrote a book about this. I don't know. That's, yeah. And that's exactly where I'm going to leave well, this, is, is Bobby has a great, great... Uh, well, plug your book, Bobby. Social Media Promotion for Musicians. There you go. Yeah. And it goes through all of that, how to post, when to post, why to post, the whole thing. And it covers not only... Um, social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, uh, YouTube, everything you can think of. It also covers your website, your blogs, your uh, newsletters, um, all sorts of different things. So like your that. new book has to be, oh crap, did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, how to pull something off the internet. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Now, on that note, um, as someone who works at an advertising firm, the same one you do, Mike, <laughs> um, 
the hot buzzword now is in, in content marketing and storytelling in the marketing. So when you're, if you're a band, if you're a business, whatever, you got to think about, you know, with all this um, social media, what product am I selling? You know, and you're like, the whole thing has got to be wrapped around what story are you telling, how you're presenting yourself, and how is that going to drive people to your website or wherever to buy your product? Yep. So it's, yeah, it's not about, you know, what you did this afternoon. It's about, or if only if that ties into the story. If that ties into the narrative, that's great. Yep. And it helps you. It's one, one of the big problems that, that musicians have on their own is they can't think the, about the big picture, about what that story is. They have a hard time really getting, you know, to the macro part of the global yep. thing. Well, can I say something? When it comes to telling a story, I want to make sure that people understand. And this is just based on my own experience. You're not making up fiction. Yeah. Your right. story is who you are as a person. Because if you start creating a fake identity sooner or later, it's it's very hard to keep up with BS. You know. So you gotta be. So you gotta be. Tell your story, but it's you. As yeah. a person, so it's not really coming up with something fake. No, it's not finding a format. Right. You know what the problem about the story sometimes is? We watch sometimes The Voice and the dance shows and all that. So my son, who's now 11, goes, Oh, God, Dad, can they just like sing and shut up? Yeah. <laughs> because now it's like, Oh, yes. Yeah. My parents had illnesses and I grew up Yeah, no, before. I see what you mean. And what's happened is it's because Shark Tank, every kind of reality, social. They every they're looking for that that heartstring pull. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. But the problem is, it's all but like that's too much problem. information. Listen, just shut up and sing, Scott. Scott, listen. Yeah. Back in 2010, <clears throat> when my videos were viral at the time, right. meaning yeah. <laughs> 500,000 views at the time was uh, something. I got approached for a reality show, and they wanted me to basically. Uh, go there and do things that were, were like can we talk about this can we create some tension I said no <laughs> I yeah. mean because it would really bring the audience uh, to your work I, I said I don't want to do that I have a private life and then I have my work and to me a story is saying this morning by accident I saw this it sounded great I made a video that's the story to me that right. my story is not like and I started when I was a kid and blah, blah, blah. I mean yeah. if you want to know about that stuff go there's a resume or there's a credit <laughs> but I, I gotta think though I'm not the, pushing in, that story to but I gotta think in the coming generations people are gonna want less information but they, but they, but they cannot exactly absorb so much. Okay, I mean, speaking of less information. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Punish the online. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna, to... We're gonna, and Taylor Swift is Spotify. I got to segue because I want to get to this next topic really quick because it's worthy of about half a segment. <laughs> but I really wanted to talk about it. Um, but all this social media stuff is great. Buy Bobby's book and... Go to Diego's website because he. I'm, actually, I'm not selling anything. <laughs> no, no, well, I'm selling tutorials, but no, no, no. But the thing about you, the, Diego, is is you're a really good model because I think you nail it on mm-hmm. a lot of your stuff. I'm just going by yes. instinct. I know. So you know. Uh, so follow those those two things. Those two people, you will not go wrong. All right, now we're gonna we're gonna try. <laughs> There's no easy segue to what I'm about <laughs> to get to because it's apples and oranges. But um, recently, um, I started designing um, some racks, some gear. And, uh, and it was, it took me back to my days when I used to tour and I used to make these really massive mini racks full of all kinds of keyboard modules and things like that. And I just, I love doing that kind of stuff, but it actually got me 
talking and thinking about gear and gear placement and how people work and how important that is to your environment. And I wanted to go back to basics a little bit right now. And I wanted to talk about our setups. And I'm not talking about our monitors. And I'm not talking about, you know, specifically, um, you know, the, the 45 degree angles and all that. I'm talking about all the other gear, all the ergonomics, other exactly your, yeah. your ergonomics and your workspace and things like that. Because I think one thing I've noticed, and I've gone over to friends' home studios, and I've I've seen some genius home studios, and then I've seen some studios where like, how in the world do you function? You know, uh-huh. and and I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because I know there's a lot of people out there that that are putting together their own little studio, and I and I get emails from people, hey, talk about you know building a studio, and talk about can you guys talk a little bit about that? And you know, it's not the most exciting topic, but you know what? It's really important, and everybody in here I know works in a really specific ways, and I've seen a lot of people's studios uh, at one time or another, uh, except yours, Diego. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a bonsai tree. But everybody has their own, and, and I just wanted to really quick. I just wanted to talk a little bit about ergonomics and and making your studio work for you. And I think the first thing I wanted to talk about that is is. First of all, when you place your gear, when you get your gear, no matter, you know, there's, there's slanted racks, there's straight racks, there's things like that. Um, for me, it's all about making my studio work for me. I don't want to have to work to hit any particular piece of gear. I don't want to have to hurt to hit any particular gear. I mean, some people have a phenomenal studio with really good ergonomics. Rob, uh, you know, Rob's place is, is like that, you know, has, has really good um, ergonomics in his studio. Right, Rob? Absolutely. That's what I'm here. I haven't been there much, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to visiting. <laughs> but your own studio. <laughs> but I just wanted I wanted to go I wanted to go around and talk a little bit about about your workspace and just just describe like let's start with you, Diego. Your right. workspace. I mean, you do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, how is it set up? How do you work? What what is your kind of philosophy about the way you have your gear set up in your place? So my studio is actually not a studio because right. I, I, I just use the, the living room in this house that I'm renting. And to me, I don't want to depend too much on ergonomics. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be – so I have – it's a very simple setup. It's a keyboard uh, with the laptop. And then I have on my right, I have the things that are really important, which is my preamps. I have my API gear, mm-hmm. and then I have the audio interface, the monitoring system, and the, and two sets of speakers. But the rest of the space is filled with instruments, and there's always some sort of session going on, so I never really put away anything. And that is what is important to me. It's the, the, the possibility to move stuff around however I want it and not be uh, limited by, oh, I'm going to ruin the ergonomics of my place. Right. That is not important to me. The instruments and my ability to just come up with something on the spot is what matters to me. You know, it makes a lot of sense because when you look at your videos, mm-hmm. it's all about the – it's very active. You're a very active – It never looks yeah. the same. It keeps right. changing every – It's all – and that's, that's actually – that, that kind of makes sense in how you work. What about you, Brandon, your workspace? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, similar. I mean, well, a little different. It's all about easy access. You know, I want. I don't want the – you know the struggle of connecting everything and making sure every, everything's sounding right to get in the way when you have inspiration. So I wanted to just be there, ready to go. I, at work, I'll talk about my workspace because it's the one I'm in most. I never get to use my home studio like Rob. 
Um, Which is nice, though. <laughs> yeah, the home studio is a lot nicer. But my work studio is sort of a mini. It's you know, it's it's not that big of a room. It's like seven by twelve, but you know, acoustically treated. I've got my main monitor in front of me and my two uh, smaller computer monitors on the desk. I've got my my um, my audio monitors here, and then to my left, I've got my amp, my guitars, and all my guitar effects. My right, I've got the the Prophet Twelve. And then, which I don't get to use very much, but it's there if I need it. And then I've got my field recording gear and a mic set up, ready to go right. at any time. And I use that for all sorts of things. You know, it's great if we need some little sound effect to just be able to, you know, point it down there and, you know, do whatever I need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just you know, having it ready to go, you know, as quickly as possible. Nick, what about your your setup? I've seen your setup actually. Yeah, um, I, I could go on for a while. I, I'm just going to concentrate on a couple of aspects of it because right. I could talk for half an hour, and maybe we'll do that another on another segment. Because right. you know, being an analog keyboard guy, that stuff takes up an awful lot of space. Right. Um, so when I moved to LA, I moved my studio, which was about a 600 square foot space in Sausalito. California down here to LA into a building um, on my property that's about 12 by 14. So it's significantly smaller. Um, so within there, I have a whisper room that's six feet by eight feet. Um, and I've got you know my Hammond organ and my clavinet and all of that stuff in there. But the main thing, there are two main things that I really want to get across that have worked out very well after a long time of sort of moving, moving space, moving gear around. The first thing um, is that all of my rack gear and uh, everything that I can possibly have working this way are in a series of audio pile um, hard shell anvil cases, and they're on wheels and stuff. So if you go to audiopile.net, you will find uh, incredibly affordable and really, really nice you know, racks and um, individual drawers and things like that that are all you know, hard shell, and they're all on wheels, and you can move them around. And you know, basically, I could take my whole studio apart in about a day. Oh, wow. Um, and wow. so everything is tied into a pair of TT patch bays that I have right at my primary work area so that I can reach in and plug in anything to anything else whenever I needed to. Um, Everything is now, all of the TT patch bays are DB25s on the back, so really, really simple for me to disconnect those things, those DB25 snakes go to feed the different racks, they get to the rack area, and then if I have to have sort of ancillary or auxiliary XLRs from the eds- ends of those snakes, to be able to reach all the stuff in the racks right. I can. So that's a really useful way to be able to connect things quickly and very professionally, so I like that a lot. Um, the, the, the other thing that's really important that I want to get across from ergonomics, being a keyboard player, is the fact that right in front of me on my main desk, I have my Macintosh keyboard, and then above that, I've got an 88-key weighted keyboard because as a keyboard player, that's what I you know, actually use. For, right. you know, but it's whatever you like. Right. And then sitting on top of the keyboard itself um, are three of the Artist Series fader consoles. So I've got exactly enough room to be able to play the piano and then reach up and be able to grab the Artist Series faders to be able to move and make mixed moves inside of Logic. And then above that on a thing, I've got two Macintosh monitors facing me and then my Genelex. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Rob, really quick, give us a little rundown on your on your workspace ergonomically, how you work. Um, okay, yeah, I won't go into uh, uh, too many technical details because we'd be here a while. But right. the uh, the main thing about my studio, I mean, originally when I was figuring the place out, you know, I sort of started with a clean, empty room uh, and started from zero, and I, I basically sat down. For the first few weeks that I had the place, 
I sat down and I would just on flimsy tables and stuff, bring in gear, bring out gear and just try things and sort of think of the whole room as just a clean slate, you know, no preconceptions about where anything was going to be. And as time went on, it developed that sort of the front of the room became more of a mixed position and the back of the room became more of a creative sound design and composing uh, place. And then it wasn't until five or six years later that I actually had furniture built to accommodate what I had sort of done temporarily. Mm-hmm. And I had it all built in nice wood and, you know, it looks professional and everything now. But for a long time, it was all on flimsy Ikea tables and it was just about making sure everything was exactly where I wanted it, where the synths that I would mess with were on angled racks next to me. Right. The synths that I would use less were up in vertical racks that I would step up to. You know, I'd have MIDI distributed uh, with eight, eight by eight patch bays for, you know, 64 in and out. And I figured out strategically where to put them, but I sort of left it in a really rough form for a long time and let using it dictate how I was going to lay it out um, um, because it was too complicated to try to figure it all out at once. Uh, that's, that's awesome. And let me tell you, you, you nailed it. <laughs> um, the tricky thing about my setup too, though, is, I mean, it was obviously purpose built for me and I, I had it all set up for me, but I also wanted it to be the kind of place that somebody, an experienced engineer could come in and be comfortable with like all the analog mic pre's and all that right. compressors and all the analog stuff is all very well organized on patch bays. And there's, you know, a massive patch bay where you can get to everything all the time. And the patch bay has digital and analog and the whole place was wired with cable that would work for AES or analog. And I, I wanted it to be set up. So it was the kind of facility that an engineer could come in, not me and, and, and actually be able to work. And it's been a good thing. Cause when I'm away, you know, I've been away a lot, but there've been other people using the studio. And if I'd made it too custom for me, they could never do that. Yeah, you know, My last studio was very customized for me and no one else could work in it because it was just <laughs> super complicated. So yeah, if, if you're going to be building a place that, that outsiders are going to use, always keep at least one eye towards sticking to some things people would recognize. Well, that's great. Scott, really quick, tell us, a little, tell us just a little <laughs> bit about your, your work area. Yeah, my work area is uh, kind of unique for me. i got two, two studios that I work in. And they're built the exact same way, but for different functions. Uh, I like the cockpit approach. Um, I pretty much sit in a seat, and everything is surrounding me. Um, I have a desk that actually electronically goes up and down, that based on um, how I want to mix or if I want to edit. I do that actually because of carpal tunnel. Right. So I can always keep my hand at a certain angle. Um, I have six monitors around me, video uh, computer monitors. Only. I'm just oh, kidding. Yeah, I got four. I got uh, the I got amount two. of tracks that you're yeah. dealing with. Yeah, I've got like a, a, a console, then the, the, the monitors in front of that. Then I got two to the right and the left, one for two different computers. So I'm running three computers always at once. And then on my all the way to the left is kind of my business, social, slash, every way that I communicate is always online at all times is how I communicate with my clients. Um, my rack of outboard gear is behind me. And so, literally, and everything's uh, behind me is on wheels. So when I have clients, I have an open area. When I'm by myself, the whole back closes behind me. So no matter how I twirl my chair around, I've always it's a cockpit. It's always cockpit. Yeah, I love the cockpit approach. And the same thing, even in my music side, behind me is all my guitars and keys and everything is for me because I'm in a 28 by 16 foot room. I have a big screen in front of me that's projecting a uh, picture like a mini theater. Um, and I, so I need the space to hear the air, to hear the just, just how it's going to translate to a theater. But for me, I like to be surrounded tightly 
so I can reach everything that I need to quickly. And I also use a teleport. So I have one mouse or a set of mice, but uh, for you know different types of... <laughs> I, I thought you meant like a teleportation I system. If you haven't used it, if you've got one mouse and one keyboard, right. I can teleport between all of the computers. Yeah, it's pretty and it's amazing. Great. It's great. Nice. It's pretty amazing. I just go, I just move it, and I'm on that monitor, and, and they're, they're all the way around me. Right. That's cool. Bobby, how about your, your area? I'm completely the opposite. I have an incredibly simple system. Um, and this is for at home, uh, where I mix or I record mostly voiceovers these days and some video. So in front of me, I have a custom desk that I had made hmm, six or seven years ago, and um, a 27-inch iMac, a 24-inch extra monitor besides it. And for rack gear, I have one preamp, and I have one compressor, and that's it with an SM7 that's permanently set up on an arm for when I have to do voiceovers. Um, I've recently switched to a Apollo Dual, and that's my monitor controller and and I.O., and it works great, and it's just simplified everything with uh, a three-way analog switch to switch between monitors. If I turn... Around, I have a permanent video camera with two lights set up and um, a teleprompter, so I can do voiceovers and I can do whatever kind of video I need, you know, really quickly. And that's it. It's dead simple. There's no controller. There's no nothing. I mix with the mouse. I'm perfectly happy with that. That's it. I got rid of everything else. See, that's awesome. And and I, I really wanted to go around and get everybody's little flavor because I get a lot of questions by people. And they ask me about how they should set up their studio. And and you know what? There is no right way no. to set up a studio. I mean, yeah. listen to every single person here. Um, all had its own unique way. Rob? Yeah, there's one thing actually that Scott made me realize I forgot to mention, and that is the number one mistake if you're a if you're a keyboardist and you're a performer, or you know, you like to actually play, you're not just someone who uses the keyboard as an input device, you actually like to play. The main mistake I've seen keyboard players do when they build their own rig is not starting by putting their keyboard at the right height, Absolutely. like their piano. Mm, yeah. Right. And once you get that wrong, you can never sort of redo it. Yeah. Um, so it's true. It's, there are accurate measurements. I forget what the actual measurement from a grand piano of like the bottom it's about of the 37 wood. inches, I think. I think it's less than that. I think it's in the 20s from the bottom of the keyboard to the floor. Um, I mean, you can look it up, but the basic bottom line is. If you're going to have a studio that is centered around a, a keyboard, like when I had my furniture built, that was the very, very first thing we made sure is the keyboard is in the right position at the right height because everything else uh, can be flexible. But your performance instrument, your main instrument, has to be at the right. That, you know, that's true. How about you? What, what's your setup like? Well, um, well, my home setup is actually right on uh, our Facebook page. It's actually the the cover that um, the uh, what do you call that? The not the small picture, but it's the larger picture. The banner. Yeah, it's the banner, and it's really simple. I I tend to believe it or not, I I don't like to work in a cluttered space. I, I kind of like things a little clean. So um, I've got two thirty um, two inch monitors in front of me, and then I've got two. Um, Four space racks. It's all built into a desk. It's just a desk I picked up off of from Guitar Center. And then I, I have um, I have a lot of computers. I've got two that are shown, but then I also have them that are connected to the monitors that I can switch between the computer or my um, 
<clears throat> my um, Apple TV because um, when I work, sometimes I just like to have something playing, just some motion going on. Uh, and then I, I have do that too sometimes. Yeah, so. and then I have um, my M3 keyboard is um, off to my left that I can turn around and play. Um, it's at proper keyboard heights, like like uh, Rob was saying. And uh, and then I just bring in any little doodad or anything onto the desktop that I need if I'm working with. How about it work? I work. I've got a D command. Um, it's pretty standard. I've got a D command. I've got two monitors. I've got um, my G, my uh, Genel X. I've got a seven one system, and then I've got um, Auratones. And I get the Auratones get used all the time. That's great. <laughs> all the time. I wish I could buy a pair. Of <laughs> I've got, and then I've I also use a monitor out of the TVs though. Actually, I monitor the audio out of the Sony TV monitor in the front and the Samsung that I have for the client all the time also because that's what they want to hear. Uh, and then I've got effects behind me. They're analog effects, and I've been working there for about nine years, and I've used them approximately zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they look good, though. For, yeah, they look yeah. good, yeah. Not really. But for the promo work and the work that I have to have all this recall, uh, I don't use any analog. Yeah. But at, at home, where I have a ton of API and I have my 500 you know, lunchbox and stuff, I mainly use analog gear. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's, it's where you have to, how you have to function. Um, Mike, but, you brought in a, a nice little lunchbox set into to work recently. Yeah, I mean that's that the one, same ex- one from home. Exactly, okay. and my all my stuff is racked so that I can travel. I'm I'm traveling. I do all my stuff on laptops, and so I can mix and work pretty much anywhere. And I've worked, and I've I did sound design. I've worked every. Well, I've said it before, from Starbucks to hotel rooms and things like that. How are you monitoring <clears throat> when you do that? Headphones. What kind? I use well. <laughs> I use, um, believe it or not, I use the Bose headphones, and and they're very bass heavy. Which ones? There's a bunch of them. The um, Comfort Five. The, the 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 ones that are on your ears that don't cover your ears, but they're on your ears, and they're the non um, noise canceling version of it, and 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 they're they're really weighted on the bass, and you have to you have to know that. But for me, with with the headphones and and the heavy bass. I know how they're weighted, and it keeps my stuff from from becoming really rumbly or for missing like like when you're doing dialogue and then there's ambient low end. A lot of times, if you're mixing on on headphones and you can't hear that low end because your headphones oh, yeah, don't that have that low, low end, what happens is you mix and then you take it back to your studio and you hear all this, yeah, and you like yeah. and you can't hear it. You'll hear it on the bows. I mean, they they are so weighted. You'll you'll hear it. So mm-hmm. you, you just got to be aware of that, you know. And and um, and I that's I mainly mix on that um, on those headphones. You know, I'll take them with me wherever I am. But having said that, um, I know the headphones, and I know there's kind of rules about headphones because where your center is placed, since you're listening on both sides, it's such a uh, it's such a heavy center, you know, because it's in the middle of your brain that you'll hear, you'll hear more 
centered than what's actually there also, you know? Because once you take your headphones off and you put it on speakers, what was living right you know, <laughs> right behind your nose mm-hmm. is now spread out to the center and it's not as loud as you think it is. I mean, that was the first thing. And I only did that out of necessity. It's not like I was like, oh, hey, I want to do this. You know, I, actually, I was picking up clients. The first client I ever got, I was on holiday. It was actually Thanksgiving holiday and I couldn't get to my studio, but I had... I had my laptop with me, and I just so happened to have all my effects drives because I, I carry them. Um, and I was able to do it all, but I, it was a learning curve to, to learn how to mix, you know, because what you can hear on your headphones is way different. I mean, Rob's correct in, in that it's like if you're not used to it, it's not something you want to step into. But mm. it can be done once you know. And the good thing with you know Pro Tools especially is you can just play it out of the output and just listen to the speakers and kind of get a, a good idea. You know what's tricky to do with headphones? In my case, you know, when I'm, when I'm recording an instrument, I am at the same time engineering the sound. Right. So uh, <laughs> I have the actual instrument that is making sound and it's probably loud enough to for me to hear it through the headphones. And then I have the headphones. So I use the AKG because they don't really have that much bass. Which ones? Two forties? Uh, yeah. yeah. Because so I. I, I, I still hear what's going on, and I still hear the instrument, and right. then I don't really make a judgment just based on the headphones. But I kind of have a sense uh, if it's uh, there's a lot of mid range that bothers me, and but it's tricky, you know. No, but doing the listening and go, the engineering. Yeah. The two forties are really. I mean, I like those are yeah. like probably my favorite studio monitors, and they're every but I mean, come on, those are just like. Standard wherever you go, yeah. they're such a good flat monitor, and they actually sound really good with the head pods. These mm. things, because you know, you don't get a lot of volume on it. You got to really drive those suckers to, mm-hmm. to to get a to get them sounding good. But they're they're fantastic. They're a great sounding headphone. You know? Yeah, it's just, you I, know, not a lot of low end though. Yeah, so. exactly. Which is something that everybody that does uh, you know field recording, you you have this. Uh, I'm interested in listening to the sound, but at the same time, I, I'm engineering the sound. Well, so. what, what are you using when you do field recording? Uh, goodness. Uh, you know, and I, you can ask me the model name, and I don't remember. <laughs> um, you know, a, a friend of mine turned me on to some very inexpensive Sennheisers that have some really nice low end, which is what we're actually hearing. So, because um, I always had that problem going, I'm not getting a low end. You know, I'm not sure if I'm capturing it, and then you got tons of it. Um, so I wanted something where I can actually hear, because a lot of times what I'll do is when I do location miking, I'm not always miking the way you would think you'd want to mic, which is directly on the on the object. Sometimes I'm using the mic to color it to put it at an angle. So I'm angling maybe off off, and I'm using the uh, the coloration of the mic off axis to capture the kind of tone I want. Um, that's the thing with 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 headphones, and, and I know we got a little bit off, but it's part of your studio. But with headphones, there really is. I mean, headphones, the flavors are so different. I mean, they sound different. You know, I, I mean, yeah. from the low end, and he, and also the high end too. You know, some headphones have a have a lot of high end. Some are, I mean, Sony's like the V sixes, right? I mean, yeah, the V sixes. Yeah, but the AKG that I use, for example, are great when you're doing the noising. Because right. you can actually hear what's going on all the way up there. Right. It's it's just there's all kinds of flavors. And I'll tell you something else. Earbuds in your ear 
are probably the worst way to try to mix with headphones mm. because what happens is you you they if they get on that bone that's in your ear, they're going to give you frequencies that are just going to be the curve on that sucker is just going to give you like a big 12 dB peak at, yeah. at down there and like like you're talking the low frequencies like 125 and below, you know, down there. Yeah. Does anybody use noise canceling headphones here? No. I, I I have them for when I fly. Yeah, and what do you have? Because I'm looking uh, for a pair. I don't, yeah. You know what? I, I, when you and I went to Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what's great is they're good enough. Um, um, the phasing on it's not too weird because you hear you definitely hear phasing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've I've used them. They're uh, relatively in, you know common. Do you remember which ones? Because there's a, a I bunch. I thought it was of Comfort them. Five or something. Comfort or, five. Yeah, I've okay. got the I got the Comfort Three, which is the noise canceling version of the headphones that yeah. I like to use, and they're. And it's cool. The, the thing is, is man, you gotta you gotta run audio through them because your brain's gonna get sucked out. Yeah, if you, you, if you don't, if you, <laughs> if you don't, don't, you're like, oh. Uh, but you know what? Does work if you want to sleep, but it's better if you have a little bit of audio, just a little bit of audio going like. Oh, okay. You deal okay. with the vibrations that are still coming through your body. You know, you're sitting on a plane. The rumble. You know, it's, it's not still it's so not, much nicer to yeah. have that high pass filter. You know, it's all of that. It's really what comes great. down to is when you wear the. He- I, I'm not a big headphone fan. I don't like I just use earplugs, like the um, one I used to go swimming. The the what you do is it's like it's like wearing glasses. Yeah. How do you see through something when you have a reflection and you know there's a piece of material in front of your eyes? You get you just get through it. <laughs> so the thing is, when you have headphones, you you listen to the content of what you're listening to, mm. and you kind of because usually the reason why you're wearing noise canceling headphones is to Right, get away from everything else. Right, so you do that, and they do work quite well. We've tried the Sony's, hmm. and the Bose work the best for us. You, huh. you, you know what it's like? It's like using D-verb, D-reverb. If like it's, it has a very D. It like takes the reverb out of the oh, of your area. Okay. So you still hear like you can hear conversations, you can hear things. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. just takes all that ambient, especially on a plane, all that. <sighs> Yeah, it just well, yeah. it takes that out. It's like if someone put a, yeah, a like reverb, but it is weird when like, you yeah. when you spend like three hours with them on yeah. and you take them yes. off. Yes, yeah. and it's like holy shit! I can hear it's everything. Like, it's, it's, it's really noisy. Out what there. is that? <laughs> but anyway, well, hey, listen, try we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping it up. But I, I was gonna say one thing because I thought of you oh. I, before I, I thought of you on this. I bought something and I said this is a mic product, and then what it was is. Um, I bought two of them because they're just so cool. Uh, for the iPads or minis, and what they are is they're, they're uh, magnets that you attach to them. And what's great is you can either go horizontal or at any angle. So if you want to uh, put a panner in it, if you want to put a lemur in it, all of a sudden, because I've actually have each side of me, I've got these little iPad things. And you, they, you put them in a, a normal case, and then you just take the half of the case, and it just... It magnetizes onto a holder, and the holder can go at any angle you oh, want. Oh, I see. And these oh. are really. And I said, "Oh my god, this is great!" Yeah. So then, if I want to, I can touch it. I I even put one in my car, so now I have it where it's sitting up at an angle, and it looks it looks a little bit like the S six. What, what's know, it called? Of, I don't remember. Don't ask the names. But it's great. So I've got it. I've got it. So now. In my car, I kind of have a little bit of the Tesla look. Uh, <laughs> there you go. And then I've got, in my cockpit, I've got, you know, 
uh, two pads going for different reasons. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, that's awesome. And I thought, well, this is Mike's fantasy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to get me the name of that. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Anyhow, let's let's wrap up though. Um, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna we'll we'll visit the whole setting up your studio again. But uh, I just wanted to basically give you a little taste, especially a couple of people that wrote to me asking for advice. You know, it's really personal. You got to do, I think Rob had the best approach, you know, just set something up temporarily, you know, try to find it, make it work. But the main thing is, is, you know, get something that works and then just stick with it and concentrate on making music. Don't concentrate on moving your furniture. And we all know people who every time you go over to their place, the furniture just changed and look if you can't write it when it's you know on an ikea table it's not all of a sudden going to turn into you know a symphonic opus when it's on a uh, uh argosy desk and remember you can also use pedals <laughs> all right well hey listen before we go um really quick and Rob, thank you so much for joining us all the way out there. I can tell, man, you look you look dead tired out there, bro. I am so beat. Let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> on anything I can remember to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we we got a good update from you with with the Mrs. Diego. How about you, really quick? I'm doing a lot of noise. I'm doing, yeah, no, because I'm working on something nice, and uh, it's a new new concept. But uh, I'll tell you, you more later. But, yeah, just because you know, I, it's, I understand. It's coming together, and I'm enjoying the process. Uh, but there's a lot of um, intensity going on. I can say, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I'm experimenting. Brandon, how about you, brother? Well, for my new, uh, or for Synchronic, our music library, I'm working on a new trailer music collection, nice. destructive trailer music. Um, and then, as far as trailers, we got Crimson Peak we're working on right now, uh, Fury Road, and uh, Jurassic Park, or Jurassic World. Nice. Awesome. Nick? Well, at Disney, uh, you know, more of the same, more apps. Uh, we just finished one for Big Hero 6. That was pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, that came out. And at home, um, I'm working on a new audio project, which is another sort of community outreach thing. Uh, we'll talk about it more uh, later on down the road. It's part of a um, really intensive training process that I'm going through cool. for the Cub Scouts called Wood Badge Training, and we'll, we'll talk about it later on. Nice. And Scott, I, I already plugged a couple of your movies you're working on. But- <laughs> yeah, I'm, f- I'm finishing up uh, uh, actually two projects. Uh, my All-American, uh, we've been testing really well. I, I think they're going to try to sell it now. Uh, it's a football movie. It's, it's quite very good. Um, and the other one, technically, which I'm having also quite a bit of fun on, is uh, I'm putting together or working with a Marvel theme park. Uh, I could talk about it more. It, it opens December 12th in Phoenix. Wow. And it's 200 yards big, and there's, I don't know, five different theaters of different types. Wow. And it's quite the challenge we use in Dante systems. And, wow. We'll have to talk about that yeah, next it's, time. It's, it's, a, it's fascinating, but uh, for me, being the gearner that I am, I'm in you know heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, we, I want to talk about Dante, and because that's kind of like the new flavor on the block, and and there's a lot of people that don't quite understand it, and I don't know if I have my head wrapped around it, the whole thing. But once you, you know, once you get into it and you learn how to use it, boy, is it powerful. Boy, can you do some really cool stuff. So we'll have to talk about that when we uh, talk about that, Scott. (laughs) Bobby. Uh, I just finished up a mixing project today, which is cool. It was a long time coming. Uh, I'm two songs in. I'm producing the new Snoo album. That's fun. And uh, my 101 Mixing Tricks 
program has finally launched. Has it really? Yeah, and you, you can go and get uh, free four free tricks at one hundred and one mixing tricks. <laughs> Dot com. Nice. I'll just say I got my free tricks the other day, Bobby. They're good. <laughs> oh, I it out. Yeah, <laughs> well done, man. Very good. Do they come up randomly or is it the same four? It's the same four. Give? Okay. He gives out some good ones to start with. That's, I'm going to have to go there. 101 mixingtricks.com. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. All right. And how about you, Mike? Um, right now, you know what? I. Just doing a lot of promo stuff, TV promo. Um, the new animated series, the new seasons actually get rolling uh, at the end of the year, beginning of next year. I'm doing some uh, half-hour um, episodes of uh, a Fox um, series, which I'll talk about when we, you know, when we actually get into it. So it's no big deal. But that's it's fun. I'm you know I'm gearing up and actually putting a team together and talking to some audio guys because um, the turnarounds are ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, we're going to have to do half hour shows at on a on a time schedule that is pretty like overnight. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous, <laughs> and that's it's a full edit. And a full mix, wow. and it's crazy. Oh. It keeps getting faster and faster. When it, does it end? It's you know what? It, I don't know. It's like they just want it. I mean, we're we're going to build in a two day, you know, but we just we have to. We're building in two days, but we're we're going to have to get ready for overnight because that that's going to have to happen because everything backs up. Promo needs it by a certain time, and then they need to have lead time for when it's actually going to air so they can cut all their promos and run it. It's just ridiculous. And so it's just a lot of work really fast. So, you know, I'm talking to guys, and, and, and I just need cutters. I need someone who's fast and quick. And, and you know what? Really quick, make it if you can make a decision, that's the main thing, you know? Make a decision. Like, I know your library has 35 different footsteps. Pick one. And keep moving. And by the way, that one better be the right one. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying, <laughs> it's true. But yeah. it's, it, I mean, that's true. When you get on that, when you're at that level, you just have to be really familiar yeah. with your sounds and be really fast and really good. Scott knows, right? Scott, it's the same thing that he oh, demands yeah. out of his people. Oh, it's yeah. like, you know. Well, that's that's where you know that's where I think the difference between someone who's experienced and someone who's not. Someone who's not goes, my God, there's all these choices. What do I do? And they but that's the one I want. That's yep. the one that's going to work. Yep. Fast. Done. Yep. Exactly. Hear it. Do it. Use it. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, listen. If you want to reach us, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Um, and you know what? Come on. we got to get to 500 likes. We're at 490. We've been at 490 for a while. Let's get to 500, okay? Ask your sister. Ask your you know, your like boyfriend, us. girlfriend. Please like I know, us. Just 500 seems I'm like... I'm begging you. Please <laughs> a, like A us. good number. Well, hey, listen. From myself and from Rob, who's... I'm going to see if he just drops and just falls over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Robin. I'm going to be asleep before you guys even are out of your chair. <laughs> <laughs> I seem like tilted. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, hey, Rob, but you know what? We're, I want to wish you really good luck out there with the missus. It's fantastic watching this whole process. And and we, you know, hey, we've hey, been Rob. there from the beginning, like I said last time, when it was just you an idea. You guys, uh, Bobby has been an incredible source of advice and help, and all you guys have been very supportive. The one thing I did forget to mention about the missus is probably by the time this goes up, we will have our first uh, live performance music video up. They they played at a conference in San Jose a little while back and just killed it. And so we've put together a really 
awesome music video. So you'll actually be able to see the misses in action. All right. Nice. Well, hey, listen, um, last thing I'm going to say is this is going to be our Thanksgiving show because we're not going to do another one until after Thanksgiving. I just want to say I'm thankful for all you guys showing up. You all do. You're all rock stars in what you do. You do a great job, and I learn a ton from every single one of you. Even though I learned that you can't make money in the music industry. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) For myself and all the guys, take it easy. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and West Wave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Aphex's 230 Master Channel voice processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.